If Joe was here this morning, she would be able to tell you that I don't like many movies. I find it very difficult to sit through anything through to the end. Most of, I, most of the movies that I go to tend to be full of action. I am pretty excited about the new Marvel movie coming out. I like basically all the Marvel movies. I like others too that have lots of action. What Joe might say, movies that are designed for people with very short attention spans. Probably correct. What I generally dislike in movies and on TV are those really awkward scenes when people's anger or bitterness comes to the service. It's one of the reasons I can't watch shows like Neighbours or Home and Away or worse still, something like My Kitchen Rules or Married at First Sight that seem to always prey on people's emotion and frustrations. Let me remind you, I did say it's only one of the reasons. There's a lot more that I don't like about them. But it's probably why I'm seen in my family as the peacekeeper. I really struggle with conflict in my family. I've spent years working with families in conflict, and I'm okay with that, just as long as it's not within my own family. I especially don't cope with any conflict around the dinner table, where I think it should be a time of joy and sharing of the blessings of the day. Well, conflict around the dinner table is exactly what we have in front of us this morning in our reading from John's Gospel. Look at the scene. We have Lazarus hosting a dinner. Maybe it's a dinner to celebrate Lazarus being raised from the dead. Martha is in the kitchen preparing a meal for Jesus, Lazarus, and the rest of Jesus' disciples, although they're not mentioned, and they are lounging at a low table. It's funny, we often see these pictures of the disciples, especially the Last Supper, of them sitting at this long table. It's just not what happens. They actually lounge leaning forward, leaning forward to eat food with their feet behind them. Two reasons for that. One, and the most obvious one, is to get closer to the food. Sounds fair enough. The other is that they wore sandals and the feet, sorry, and the streets and the roads were really dirty places. So the last thing you would want is somebody's smelly, dirty, dusty feet near the food. Given where we are in John, just before Jesus heading into Jerusalem, one might have thought that Jesus would have wanted this dinner to be a united time. Not one of conflict. Outside the room where they were, there were others plotting and planning for Jesus' downfall. You'd think that those at the table might rally around Jesus at this meal. But consider what's going on. Martha is serving and Mary isn't helping, which was, more or less, 
the role of women in the house. But instead, she takes up the prime spot at Jesus' feet. Earlier in John, it is Martha who goes to Jesus while Mary stays at home after the death of Lazarus. We should really feel as though we know Mary and Martha as well as Lazarus. So Mary steals centre stage. But that is not what makes this scene so confronting. It is more to do with the outrageous gesture not so much putting the oil on Jesus' feet as with the wiping it up with her hair. To do this, she would have had to let her hair down, something no self-respecting woman would have done. If you can't hear the gasps of horror, then hear them questioning her morality. What Mary had just done was about the same as throwing herself at Jesus. There are a number of ethical, moral and sexual overtones taking place at this moment. People in the room may have been so embarrassed that they would have turned away and looked rather than look at what was going on. I want you to think of what would be the most embarrassing thing for you to happen in public and then escalated about ten times. That is how what Mary had just done would have appeared in the culture at the time. There is a lot of other tension in the air. It would have been so intense. Not only do they have to deal with what's going on in front of them, but also Jesus had only just finished talking about the plotting to kill him. Well, there would have been plenty in the room who would have thought Mary had gone too far, that her actions were way over the top. The other disciples may have thought so. But it is left to Judas to make a response. Well, if this had been a TV show, we'd be, we should be starting to squirm in our seats with what's going on. But John comes to our rescue in placing the blame for the mood squarely on Judas's shoulder. He also gives us an insight into the type of character that Judas, that Judas was. In that whilst he was the money keeper, the keeper of the community purse, it was rather light-fingered when it came to its use. John makes it clear that his concerns for the poor were not sincere. The more money in the purse, the more money Judas had to play with. Remember, Jesus also sold out, sorry, remember Judas also sold out Jesus for money. Jesus' response to this situation is also rather difficult. It doesn't seem to make complete sense. His response seems to suggest that Mary had been keeping the expensive oil to anoint his body after death, and her use of it at this time may be prophetic, in that Jesus' death and burial will happen so quickly that there won't be time 
to anoint it later. On the other hand, Mary should keep what was left for Jesus' burial. And that this this purpose is more important than the needs of the poor. I'm hoping you can see the problem we have here with given Jesus' repeated statements about the importance of the poor and the blessings that will be due to them. Well, the only explanation I have is that Jesus must, be, must have believed that the coming of his death is the only way in which the world, including the world of the poor and disadvantaged, would or could be made right. The difficulty for us sitting here in the 21st century Western world is that we are still faced with a world with poverty, world economies with crippling debt, and we may find ourselves wondering whether the church has always got its priorities right with regard to the balance of their wealth and the poor. Well, the good thing about this reading and the, comf- and the confrontation between Mary and Judas is that it makes us think, where do we stand? Are we like Mary, shamelessly worshipping Jesus, not worried about what others think, not worried that family is working while you aren't there? Are you willing to face the judgment of others or the sneers of those who know the price for everything but the value of nothing? Or put aside what you know about Judas's future behaviour and are you like him? Are you cautious, prudent and reliable, looking after the meagre resources of the group anxious to provide for their needs and still have something left to give to the poor? Or are you one of the other disciples, sitting back, watching, waiting for it all to unfold, not committing one way or another, just waiting for somebody to take the lead and you can tag along? Or are you sitting there unsure, embarrassed by what's happening, or maybe angry, that these things that confront you make you feel uncomfortable? Or finally, are you like Martha, off in the kitchen, not worried, not involved, just going along with the normal day-to-day? Wherever you see yourself, in one of these or perhaps another, we are left with this rather disturbing interaction one that doesn't seem to have a clear answer or a clear direction. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point that John is trying to get us to. That the grace we show to others should be so outrageous that it makes them sit up and take notice. It should make them feel uncomfortable with their lives. It should make them think about their eternity. Our lives in reflecting our relationship with Jesus should make others feel comfortable with their lives and their hopes. The image on the screen, it's not that I'm getting all arty, that's two weeks in a row, I've got sort of an arty image. Um, If you haven't worked it out, it is actually the lead light window from the narthex, the front of the church. 
It depicts the scene of our reading of Mary drying Jesus' feet with her hair. I want to leave you with this image. I want you to think about this image. And I want it to remind you every time you enter the church or leave the church or think about the church, that this image reminds you to live a life that reveals real, uncomfortable grace. Grace that is questioning. Grace that makes people think more about their lives. Amen.